Welcome to episode 234 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. I'm Brian Lovin. Welcome to our first new episode of 2018 in February. You're welcome. <laughs> we took the month off. Uh, we were doing a little bit of... Well, Brian was doing a little bit of... I was doing a little bit of, and Bryn was doing a lot of bit of, and anyways... But we're I was at home where the studio is. Doing a lot jerk. of bit of. Uh, but we had a good time. We hope you enjoyed the recap episodes for 2017. But we're excited to get back into new episodes starting right this second with PJ Budari. PJ is currently working on the design systems team at Adobe. Uh, and we get to talk to her all about what that looks like and the challenges that they're facing building their design system. And of course, we get to learn a lot about PJ and how she ended up coming back to the US from Thailand to work in design systems. Yep, we had a good chat with PJ. Uh, before we get into the episode, though, we want to thank our sponsor for this episode, and that's Reactor. Reactor, spelled with a K, our newest Finnish friends, Reactor. Uh, they're a product design studio uh, in New York, but from Finland. Well, some of them are from Finland. The company's from Finland. And they're currently designing and building products and services for some of the biggest and most forward-thinking businesses and organizations that you've definitely heard of, like Adidas, HBO, Supercell, Neverthink, just to name a few. Speaking of forward-thinking. Speaking of forward-thinking, they don't only do client work. They're really a boat design firm masquerading as a product design firm. So uh, there's this article out about how Reactor is currently building an autonomous ferry to help transport the public between islands in Finland. But like a boat ferry, not like a yeah, yeah. tooth ferry. Yeah, a boat ferry, aquatic transportation. It'd be pretty cool to drive a self-driving tooth ferry, like design one. That'd be a so, challenge. That is an option for you. If you go to reactor.com slash careers, that's reactor with a K, they're hiring people just like you to work on some of these uh, product challenges, both working for clients on digital products and also thinking about the future of public transportation in Finland by building autonomous ferries. There's tons of opportunity here. And because of that, they don't have a specific title. They just want you to come in with your experience and your background and work with them to figure out what your ideal job looks like based on your own experience, based on your ambitions, and based on what a dream job for you really looks like. It's an awesome opportunity to work with an incredible team. Uh, again, go to reactorwithak.com slash careers, poke around. And of course, if you reach out, tell them that we sent you. Uh, again, they're looking for product designers from all backgrounds to come work with them on, on hard challenges. So if that sounds like you, reactor.com slash careers. Thanks, Reactor. And with that, let's get to episode 234 with PJ Budari. Um, hi, um, my name is PJ or Pavika Budari in full, uh, but I go by PJ here. I'm a designer currently working on the design system team at Adobe. Nice. <laughs> How long have you been working at Adobe? Um, around seven to eight months mm -hmm. now so pretty new still yeah and the whole time on design systems <laughs> yep design system what does that even mean <laughs> yeah can you just solve what design systems are for us <laughs> um so so we're um basically it's a i guess a tool that allows product designers and engineers to build and iterate more quickly. Um, that's how I see design systems. Um, instead of worrying about the details of how like a specific component should work or how like what does sharing something look like. More in, pragmatic then. Yeah. So they wouldn't they it's to promote like cohesion in the whole company across different platforms. So when um, designers and like our end users use something from us it feels like one yeah system at a company <laughs> with as long of a history and as wide of a product <laughs> selection like that has to be a really hard job there is that a big team is that yeah we're i believe 12 people on our third okay 12, yeah 12 people on a team that includes that's designers. one of the most companies i've worked at so <laughs> startup yeah. boy designers and um engineers and prototypers of so there are people of a range of backgrounds on our team um 
what do you but prototype yeah. in? <laughs> like that's like the one tool Adobe doesn't have, right? I, I guess XD has some of it, right? Yeah, yeah. We we work in XD. Okay. <laughs> nice plug. I was like very interested. <laughs> Wait, do they use a non Adobe product? <laughs> no, people no people do use Sketch and XD. Got it. Interesting. Whatever, you can use whatever you what? want when you work there. <laughs> it's up to you. I don't know. That seems way too laid back. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's no mandate that you need to use. All right. I have a question about mm-hmm. cross-product design systems. Because for <laughs> me, when I was switching between Adobe programs, mm-hmm. the hardest part was figuring out the different keyboard mm-hmm. commands. Yep. And they're all different on mm-hmm. everything. Is that part of <laughs> That's the, the work? That's the biggest or? task with keyboard shortcuts. <laughs> <laughs> or is that like, yeah. I mean, do you consider that as part of a design system or is that? Yeah, like- yeah. So the point is uh, we we think that when you, like I said, like share something or export something in an Adobe product, it should work the same way, use the same language, Um Oh Use man! The same icons for the same thing. <laughs> wow. So it's a big. That's a huge challenge. task. <laughs> as like, as you are aware, yeah. um, where it's pretty confusing now, but we, where we hope to be is uh, so that's like Less one confusing. of our biggest but just think about, like, challenge. <laughs> Premiere and After Effects and InDesign yeah, and Illustrator. Yeah. It's Holy all crap. all con- contextual too. Like certain things um, shouldn't be the same for yeah. a good reason, but there are some things that should. Um, so that's what we're hoping to be able to do. <laughs> Sweet. And so what does that look like for you on a day-to-day? Um, right now, I would say we're pretty early on. Um, we're still, we just um, launched our internal website for the design system. So that's what I mostly work on now. Um, the documentation side, making yeah. sure that there are no, um, we clearly communicate what we all think, um, how to use certain things, how to not use certain things, um, that we're actually doing what we say we should do. <laughs> um, so that's that's like mostly what I work on um, and also supporting the design team on designing new components and patterns too. Sure. Is it easy to get buy-in from a lot of the teams? Like, I know a lot of companies that mm-hmm. have design systems teams now, a lot of their time is spent working on getting adoption internally and promoting the usage. Is that a big task for you guys? Is that what, like, the internal site's for? Yeah, I think that's one of our focus for the year. Okay. I would say, like, feedback-wise, people have been really receptive because it ultimately it helps them work faster um, so they're not, like, reinventing things every sure. single time. So. Um, reception-wise from fellow designers have been really, really well, I would say, well-received. Um, but the, with the nature of our system being pretty, like, relatively young um, for the products we, that we need to build, um, and because it's always being updated and changing, it's hard. It's, that's, like, the challenge of, like, when um, a product needs to say, like, I want to use this, but it's not there yet. What do they do? So yeah. that's like one of our bigger In challenges. limbo a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So they can't always just keep changing every time we change something. So that's like um, probably what our struggle is, um, making sure people know how and when to, to... Do you have any tips for that? Have you like learned anything <laughs> interesting? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think... Advice. Oh, one of our... One of our um, what we've been, what we started doing recently is to be a lot more transparent about mm-hmm. our process, um, like our team process. What it take, what does it take for something to, you know, be documented on the website? It doesn't just like you come up with the design and then you just put it on there. Um, Use this. Yeah, yeah. We don't want we won't want to just like shove things down people's throat. Yeah. Um, we want to make sure what we design and is well can be implemented because that's ultimately <laughs> the, <laughs> the source of built? truth. Um, and yes also no? <laughs> it works across different products. So right. there are like real world use cases. So we're not designing in a vacuum. Um, so all of that goes into our thinking, making sure things are accessible or consistent, things like that. Um, so making that process transparent so other people understand what it takes. And now 
people can also see the different requests we have yeah. um, from other people and help if they if they think something is you know important they can voice their opinion and we yeah. take that into consideration so being really transparent with both designers and developers i think is taking us into a better direction and and then it's like plays into how well things are received too because they feel like they're a product of process we're not just you know this random team telling you what to do how, how do you <laughs> compose something like that at such a high level is it a lot of like here are type and color rules or is it like here's what a palette has to look like or um i mean thinking about like the broad array of palettes across products especially mm -hmm. like that's what i think of when i think of the adobe ui uh -huh. like <laughs> the there's so up. many approaches you'd have to take is it just like standardizing type rules and stuff and colors yeah well Start those. I imagine are, it's a lot bigger than yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That uh, we've we've developed a pretty, I would say, robust color system that works. Um, it's like generated, can be translated across themes, and making sure that based on color ratios, they're accessible. Yep. Um, so th that allows us to um, design something and not be attached to like, this is light gray all the time. It can be like translated into a darker theme. So that um, making sure our core um, building blocks are flexible enough um, with no like, not too much meaning, like contextual meaning attached to these huh. building blocks. Um, yeah, making sure something is like ad like adaptable enough to scale <laughs> there's probably like a golden area in there of being uh -huh. too flexible yeah, where yeah. anything goes that's where and then the balancing there's, <laughs> there's no point in having yeah. a system and too rigid and mm -hmm. you're that that's like the line we're trying to balance right <laughs> yeah. now we want to make sure people can we're either designing every product manually <laughs> or yeah 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 um and we're, we're constantly learning and adapting to that push and pull of like how prescriptive we need to be and how open-ended we need to be. <laughs> yeah, what have you learned in regards to being prescriptive versus um, more like setting out a toolbox and letting people <laughs> have fun, I guess? I would say, hmm, I guess from purely from like a documentation standpoint too, we've learned that some people, they're, they're, because we're so big that we have both types of like designer developers who some who just really want to a lot of people really just want to come and know what they get what they need and just leave to the to our documentation so whether that's like the actual hex value or the variable names or um knowing like which which button to use when um so make so for for us it's making sure those information gets surfaced up quickly but we also provide what we call like usage guidelines of all of those things so do's and don'ts um, common mistakes and we we add to that as those questions come up like oh yeah, so many people <laughs> have asked about this one we we should make sure it's up on there use a timeline palette for everything <laughs> it's the best palette what do you mean the timeline palette in photoshop yeah for animation? Yeah. Use it for everything. <laughs> Animate your Illustrator, colors. timeline palette. <laughs> XD, How else do you do it? Timeline palette. <laughs> yeah, I mean, adding the fourth dimension, that was game changer, man. I remember making animated GIFs in Photoshop back in the day. Mm -hmm. That's how I used to compose my uh, HTML emails. <laughs> what? Mm -hmm. The we'd, timeline we'd, palette? We do animated GIFs in our oh, emails. Oh, oh. Wow. Thought, okay. It's <laughs> like, how does this work? Um, sorry, got off track. Uh, how, running the documentation website, is that fair mm -hmm. to say that you're working on? Mm -hmm. uh, for something that's so new, yeah. what have you learned about like maintaining documentation around something that is new but also changing really fast? Yeah. And also now you're getting all these inbound like questions and, and, and <laughs> things. It must be, I don't know, sounds... <laughs> Like a lot of work. Yes. <laughs> I think I would say our, our team um, has learned that 
documentation takes a lot of work. It's not just like one person can can do it. It's really, I mean, it's it's where the entire system lives. So yeah. we need to communicate how we came up with all of that, or like why things are the way they are. Um, and it's not just you know one person's writing job to do it. It's it really takes the whole team. Like it's probably one of the things that really, literally takes everyone on the team to do. It takes a village to raise a design guideline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, a village of twelve. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, especially when it comes to like how how to use certain things. Um, I we find that a lot of people have different interpretations of that, and that's really when we. When it comes down to like, do we understand our system? <laughs> do we know what we built? <laughs> yes. Um, so that's like really like the ultimate test. So like when we write about it, we really have to like work out all the edge cases. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. Has there been a case where you were surprised? Like, oh, we thought we knew everything, and then we handed it to a product team, and we were totally wrong. <laughs> um, not to that extent, I would say, but um. There has been cases where things, like a lot of things, get caught in the documentation phase because part of our documentation is we generate um, UI kits. So, of one, say a, a button, we we generate um, all the different buttons for each color theme and yeah. each like the each platforms. Yep. Um, and we so we don't do that manually. And when writing that code to generate the SVGs is when we catch a lot of things like edge cases. Like, wait, this is not actually clearly defined. Or, uh. um, yeah, like we don't really know how this works yet. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. So you give each component like a set of inputs, and then it generates all the possible variants. Like, mm-hmm. here's like a long label, short label. This color, that color. Yeah, yeah. We we do that for like the common combinations. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, we try to do it for a lot, but for certain things like like a drop down, it can get out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, that's yeah. cool. What'd you do before Adobe? How'd um, you end up at Adobe? <laughs> what happened? Yeah, I actually moved here from Boston for for Adobe. Um, so I was freelancing in Boston for around a year and a half before this yeah working with mostly startups in the boston area were you doing a lot of design systems work previously not directly okay um yeah a lot of my work involved like some level of you know defining like basic styles and building blocks for certain for some clients, mm-hmm. but I at the time I didn't really see it as like a design system necessarily. Um, it was Maybe more, more of, the style of a style guide. guide. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And so, how did you get connected with Adobe? Um, I guess I I had been living in Boston for seven years at the time, and I wanted to. I thought. Maybe it's time for a change. <laughs> California is <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> nice this time. Yeah, I, I went to a tech school, uh, so most of my friends are software engineers, and so most of them end up here. And so I guess it was my curiosity. <laughs> Enough of them left you behind. <laughs> yes, like I w- I see so That's many people of them. <laughs> leaving. <laughs> um, so I was like, I, it's time for a change, and ended up here. Cool. <laughs> Well, when you were transitioning from Boston to here, was mm-hmm. like Adobe the thing that you wanted to end up at, or were you looking at all sorts of companies and yeah, I was different types um, of design roles. Yeah, I was interviewing at like a v- yeah. range. I didn't have like a specific goal in mind of like I want an agency or a company or like a startup. Did you I, have a type of work um, that you were looking for, or was it just kind of like I want an interesting opportunity? Yeah, that. Wow. was mostly it i knew i wanted some like a design team so mm-hmm. i didn't want to be like the sole designer or like one of two designers um because having worked for myself <laughs> i wanted the like resources or support group and learn from other people mm-hmm. um I've, i 
I know the feeling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Humans are are good sometimes. <laughs> Occasionally, Disagree. let's yeah. not strong. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> uh, let's jump back. Yeah, should we start from the beginning? Yeah. Where, where are you from? Yeah, where are you from? I am from Thailand, Bangkok, Thailand. Um, was actually born in Atlanta, Georgia. Moved back to Thailand, which is where my family's from, yeah. and grew up there. How old were you when you moved back? Five. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you spent a little bit of time in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. So I got some English in my system. <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta English. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, don't no. remember much of Atlanta. The just, accent didn't just stick. My, so. <laughs> just my house. Okay. That was, that was it. My memory of. Like the five-year-old memory of my house, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And so you grew up in Bangkok? Yes. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were you up to growing up? Um, what was I up to? <laughs> I, I would say when I moved back, it was a little bit of a culture shock. Not at the time it didn't. Of course, I didn't realize what that was. But looking back... As a five-year-old. Yeah. Oh, wow, mom, what a culture shock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was probably a big role in why I'm generally more quiet. Um, I'm on the shy side of the spectrum. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I look back and think that's probably why, because I moved to a country where I kind of knew... I, I knew Thai and English at the time, but it, it was like a five-year-old. Sure. Didn't even realize there were two different it's languages. It's hard enough to speak like one language <laughs> as a five-year-old. Yeah, yeah. It didn't occur to me that, oh, the people are different here. Um, so a lot of that played into me um, being more of this observer, um, being on the shy side, and then... I guess one day I, I wanted to change that. Um, what I, happened? I moved to an international school for high school, yeah. and I was always the quiet kid, um, the one that nobody hears. When I do presentations, um, the teacher would ask, like, can you speak louder? Um, Which is like no. the worst question you can <laughs> ask someone. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, and I guess something, when I, when I moved schools, I saw that as my chance to change <laughs> um the high school pj was like i don't want to be the quiet kid anymore um, <laughs> i'm gonna redefine myself <laughs> and that's literally what it like what i thought in my head and just started to be more involved i guess um wouldn't be so scared of answering questions in class or um yeah, putting myself out there, talking to teachers outside of class. <laughs> um, so huh. I think that's when the, like, this other half of my personality now came in, like, being more proactive. Um, was that just because you knew you had an opportunity <laughs> to redefine yourself? Or, like, was the shyness holding you back in some way? Like, not letting uh, you do the things you wanted to do? I would say still a big part of my personality now. I am still like quiet when you first meet me or when I first, when I'm in a new environment, but I am much um, less scared of change now. I think because of that experience, um, moving to that like new environment in a new school where they spoke a different language, um, I learned that change is okay. And I somewhere in there had some courage to like, hey, I I don't want yeah my shyness to like limit, like sure. I'm I'm I want to control it, <laughs> I want to be in charge of it. I want to be loud good. when I can. <laughs> what was yeah. the hardest part of? I don't know that transition, that mental <laughs> transition. Um, I guess learning how to be comfortable with feeling uncomfortable ah. <laughs> I, I mean that's still like like right now <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> it's happening um yeah like learning like getting used to trying new things and getting 
training myself that when you push yourself, being uncomfortable is okay. Yeah. Yeah, because if you're not, then you're not really pushing yourself. <laughs> sure. As a shy kid, did you have a lot of like hobbies and stuff? Or did you have siblings that you hung out with a lot or anything like that? Yeah, I had siblings. Um, I also would probably say that's where a lot a lot of like my design, um, what like learning Photoshop, for example, probably came from those mm. times. Um, I, like most kids, spending time on the internet or the on the computer when mm-hmm. that became a thing. Um, internet friends, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're way better than real friends. <laughs> um, yeah, taught myself Photoshop. First was like, um, I guess I spent a lot of time making these like posters on nice. paint at first. Didn't, on paint? Yeah. MS Paint posters are <laughs> legit. Yep. Holy that shit. Was, that was the thing. Was I, I would have this like group of actually friends from school who also enjoyed the same things. We would didn't even know how to install fonts on my yeah. computer. So Well, MS Paint doesn't handle them. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, I actually like, don't know. <laughs> I don't remember at all. <laughs> taking screenshots of like those like previews off fonts and then like coloring them. <laughs> I remember. Hey, whatever works. Yeah, my my friend and I still joke about that till today. That that's what we did back then. Until we were like, wait a second, you can download these things. <laughs> the the Microsoft Paint that ships today with Microsoft has 3D painting. Oh my god! And I'm like, can you imagine if you had that <laughs> as a kid, where instead of like filling in yeah. these texts, you're like designing 3D. <laughs> animals and oh shit like boy. that oh man <laughs> wow yeah like that's got to change the entire foundation of like, how you think about <laughs> designing on a computer if you start from there it's like oh the most basic program is 3d painting <laughs> kids these days <laughs> kids these days yeah that's cool so you're making posters this was in high school yeah yeah in high school is that what you made in photoshop too or yeah pro like um found this corner of the internet where people can like on these forums people can people would request like avatars mm-hmm. oh yes forum headers and yeah, shit yes. yeah and i would be the one making those nice didn't earn real money but like it was like forum money yeah karma yeah. whatever yeah <laughs> reputation that was that was my my first um venture into graphic design i guess you should check nice. back maybe it's really valuable today <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they converted it into a crypto asset and oh, you can sell it on the open market. Wish. Forum coin. <laughs> forum coin. Generic forum coin. <laughs> yeah, that that's where it started. I don't think I ever saw it as something I can do for reals ever until yeah. probably the end of college even. Oh, wow. It didn't even occur to me that people get can get paid mm. to do these things because it was always something I did for fun and fun and work didn't overlap in my head for me (laughs) were your parents supportive of that side like yeah they were actually my my dad's a doctor and he would actually volunteer me um for like conference posters and i would actually get paid like real money for those types of gigs oh my my daughter can do that (laughs) check out these avatars she's designed see (laughs) she's real good yeah, so th- I I did that for a little bit. Oh, that's cool. Like they they liked that I was you know doing all of this on my own. My my parents are probably um, the complete opposite of what you would think of the stereotypical Asian parents. Okay. Yeah, they're pretty pretty open minded. Like you do whatever you want. As I don't know. Happy. I'm not going to say anything <laughs> about the stereotypes. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So they're super supportive. Mm-hmm. But did you never considered it work? Nope. Yeah, it, for some reason in my head, I just thought it was like a hobby, and it. This is I, weird. It's a hobby <laughs> that I'm getting paid for. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I I think it might have been like a cultural or environmental thing too that I didn't see a lot of um, graphic designers or wasn't aware of a lot of graphic designers in Thailand back then. Like all of my friends at school, I went to a pretty small school, so 
everyone was, you know, becoming a doc or wanted to become a doctor or an, like a, a mechanical engineer. Software, even software engineering was not, people didn't really know what that was when I was applying to college. Hmm. Um, yeah, like computer science is like, nobody knows what, or not nobody knows what that is, but it's seen as like the super, super nerdy, nerdy thing. <laughs> no one wants to touch. Yeah. And oh, how times have changed. <laughs> For context, what is an international high school? Um, yeah, so it's so everything is taught in English. Okay. Uh, for, for my school specifically, it was like a British educational system. So we learned um, the metric system. Well, I guess, well, I guess the good everyone one. else in the <laughs> Shit, world. It's already <laughs> everywhere. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, so it was a like a British. So we went to school as if we were going to high school in britain in the uk so afternoon tea <laughs> not not quite speaking not of stereotypes <laughs> but our um yeah the, the tests we took um were from their oh interesting yeah had the queen on them <laughs> yeah everything was taught in english we like the curriculum was designed in the uk um so it's really different from like a Thai school, which is where I was before, uh, which was much more traditional, probably more closer to like other tr- Asian countries, the way they learn, like more memorization, less understanding. Interesting. That's how I saw it. Hmm. Um, and yeah, the international school was smaller. So I think that's probably like what allowed me to... Um, find how to be louder <laughs> what does smaller mean for context oh oh like our graduating class was 50 people oh okay. yeah, yeah that's really small that's really small i actually knew everyone yeah holy shit <laughs> i guess that does help right what that does help yeah if you're trying to like come out of a shell yeah <laughs> <laughs> sweet i'm friends with everyone <laughs> yeah what led you to come to the united states for college i think um Surprisingly, like looking back, it it didn't occur to me that I would be that I even considered coming to the U.S. for or abroad mm-hmm. for college until like the last two years. Like some, a lot of people knew like where they want they wanted to go. The most of my friends went to the U.K. because we were a British system, yeah. so it was. <laughs> They're like, this is this makes sense. Yeah, this makes <laughs> sense. The teachers knew yeah. how to get us into those colleges too. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was, I think, after, I guess, doing some research and realizing that how colleges here, you don't really have to commit to a major. That was, like, mind-blowing to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was probably, like, the strongest point. Flexibility? Yeah, flexibility, because I... I was a I was look I was considering architecture school. I went to architecture school. Um I but the idea that I would only learn about architecture mm. was scary to me. I wanted to know all these different things and buildings are okay. <laughs> um so yeah, that was what attracted me to America. Okay. Um Did you ever have a plan before that? Like you you said you didn't realize you could until yeah, like last- I just thought I would you know, go to college at home, okay. which is not a bad thing either. Yeah. But it was just the natural thing to do. Mm. Um, especially like growing up, my Thai school was right next to like one of the top um, universities in Thai- in Thailand. So I would see those students and I was like, oh, that's, that's going to be me one day. Like, so I just thought I was natural, didn't question it. And yeah, I think sup- as a, as weird as it may, may sound, the application process also is what attracted me. <laughs> oh, yeah, these forms. <laughs> um, Super nice. <laughs> the, because when, for perspective, when you compare getting into a Thai university, it's like one test. You've probably heard of like other Asian countries too. It's one test yeah. for the entire nation and 
Like a standardized test. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And I mean, like, we have some stuff like that, right? Yeah, but like extracurriculars or like your personality doesn't really come into play at all. Um, and then in the US, you're like, like I worked so hard on coming out of my <laughs> shell. I'm gonna tell you about me. Yeah. Yeah. Tell so me your for story. Here, like you have to write so many essays. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I want to do that. Describe a challenging time in your life. (laughs) Oh, I got this. (laughs) Yeah. So that, like the fact that to me from my naive high high schooler from Thailand perspective, the fact that they asked you those things was, I was like, I I like whatever this is. (laughs) That's cool. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And why architecture? Um, Like most of my friends in my program, I was the kid who liked design and was also good at math and science. Okay. So I was told that architecture was the answer. <laughs> it was like the balance of science and sure. art. Sure. I mean, sure. going from what you said about it being more practical and less like um, like software-based stuff, mm-hmm. like architecture seems like a natural fit, right? <laughs> yeah. I. Yeah, it just... Like I didn't even question, like I didn't even realize of like other design disciplines were like, existed. So that was like the closest thing to me. Without like going, I didn't. I knew I didn't. I wasn't like the artsy kid that who would go to art school, because um, I. So yeah, like architecture felt like the natural progression for me. Gotcha. <laughs> Did you and your friends have any like preconception about people in the U.S. Or, like what it would be like studying there versus <laughs> staying in Thailand? Was it like totally foreign to you, or did you have enough context like with through your parents and having been here for a few years? Yeah, I surprisingly, I think maybe because I heard too many horror stories or like oh no like, the culture shock warnings uh, of like you know friends sibling older siblings who came like oh like all these like i don't know fraternity sororities <laughs> all these like stereotypical like america in the movies <laughs> there's gonna be red solo cups you're gonna play beer pong you're gonna be at a frat house i think that half the colleges <laughs> frat houses. welcome to america yeah i i think i had so much of that that when i actually came it was not too bad <laughs> okay i i mentally prepared myself (laughs) yeah yeah i i went to mit Mm -hmm. um did they have the best essay i would say they they didn't do the common app so the fact that they were different also was awesome (laughs) and they were much shorter (laughs) see i had the opposite reaction any college that didn't do the common app i'm like no. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't know what that means. What's common app? There's like a, a huge swath of colleges that all agreed, like, we'll all take the same application to save everyone some time. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the people that don't do that are like, well, MIT. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, people will do it no matter what because we're MIT. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I, I probably, like, when I applied, I didn't, I mean, I didn't think I was going to get in. Sure. Um <clears throat> Especially being from, well, this small school, no one has ever gotten in before me. And I guess I wasn't, like, I did well enough in school that some people might hope I would. But especially for MIT, um, all the other Thai kids who got in were people who had, like, the government scholarship, had... Like this like math olympiad medals yeah. or at least one medal of some sort <laughs> and i had nothing <laughs> you must have written a killer essay <laughs> i guess so <laughs> so you made it in yeah and, and you then, went for architecture that's right mm-hmm. and that was when i would say when i was there surprisingly i didn't even realize that architecture was seen as a cooler major there because there were so few of us. Hmm. So every, Nerds. Yep. <laughs> every time someone comes across an architecture major, 
you're like, whoa, you're the first one I've met. That's so cool. <laughs> um, so I think part of that made me like embrace it even more. Like, yeah, I'm an architecture major. <laughs> and probably like therefore didn't consider other majors. Huh. Um, especially at MIT, when you try other things, you're probably worse than a lot of people <laughs> when you try other things. So I was like, mm. okay, architecture, I, I got this. Um, it wasn't until junior summer Like junior year, I took, I did two internships, one in the winter and one in the summer. When I realized, wait a second, like architecture in real life, not the same as in school. <laughs> um, like they're in school, you're allowed to do so much more. Um, your projects are a lot more interesting than the things you get to work on as an architect. And at least as an architect. Intern. Yeah, yeah, especially as an architect <laughs> intern. Buildings um, are bullshit. It's cool. <laughs> We get it. Yeah, and I also realized how long of a path to become a successful architect would be. And I guess in that moment, I didn't. I realized I wasn't passionate enough mm. in it to go through with that. Now, if they'd had a long essay process. <laughs> That that also was no longer in my oh, <laughs> system. Got it. Got it. <laughs> didn't didn't need you that. You worked out the like <laughs> need for maximum effort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what'd you do? Um. So that was when I started googling everything. <laughs> like, I don't else? like architecture. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> like, what else is out there? Um, Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Also, senior. Yeah, senior year. I took a what we call it like a product what's the closest thing to a product design class um mit offers it's under um a lot of people know it as two double nine we call our classes by numbers um Ugh. <laughs> math nerds yeah. and it's under the mechanical engineering department and it, they basically treat you like a it's like the senior mickey capstone class and they treat you as like small startups so they put you into teams of like 16, 15 people-ish. Um, and then you basically deci decide together to build like a cool. like yeah, oh, an alpha prototype yeah. of a product. Um, so I decided to take that class because I was like, well, I don't know what to do with architecture anymore. <laughs> um, and found myself actually really useful Um not realizing that when I signed up for the class because everyone else, most, my team was like all mechanical engineering students with one computer science major and me. <laughs> so I was, I, we ended up building this um, interactive yoga mat. Um, so it would like give pressure feedback real time um, depending on like your height and like if you're, putting pressure on like the in the right places if it's balanced or not Whoa. and what came with that was an app to accompany that so i was really involved in that process of like iterating what that flow would look like yeah. um looking looking back it was i did a terrible <laughs> job but that's hey. sort of where i realized hey people design these things <laughs> it would have made a really beautiful building i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah like people people design these things like digital product design is a thing that's when i realized a little late in the game um so that's when i started looking for jobs that would allow me to do that or learn more about that i guess um yeah and then landed in the small digital health consulting agency sure in boston this was after you graduated yeah okay um as a marketing designer um yeah they the reason why i chose there was because they had a great really essay strong, process <laughs> strong ux <laughs> she's like team. no it's off <laughs> about the essays <laughs> <laughs> yeah they they have a really a group of really smart UX designers and even though I didn't really understand what 
UX design was at the time. Sort no of had like does. a vague. <laughs> it's one of the mysteries yeah. of the universe. <laughs> yeah, vague idea, but um, being there would allow me to work with them. So that's when I joined. Like that was my first job out of college. Sweet. Mm-hmm. And so, how long did you stay there? A year and a half. Okay. I think. Yeah. So I during my time there. I worked as their only in-house designer on marketing and also slowly transitioned into actually being a consultant, like a UX design consultant. So I expressed interest that um, like this, I want to know what you guys do. And yeah, I was really lucky that the people there were super, um, super nice and welcoming that really really cared about me mm-hmm. <laughs> um, about like the things I learned and taught me basically the whole like process of coming up, like identifying the problem, like iterating all of that, how a consultant would approach um, these problems, especially in healthcare. They're pretty complex. A lot of our projects of are of like a pretty complex nature and, Basically, I would credit most of my, um, the way I think or the way I work to that company yeah. called, called Medulin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like a great crash course in yeah, yeah. understanding people's like, oh yeah, the things we design probably mm-hmm. impact their lives in mm-hmm. serious ways. Yeah. <laughs> and so after a year and a half, what happened? Um, I guess I realizing that um, because it was a relatively small company, we were like a little under a hundred, I believe. Um, even though I had like quite a bit of flexibility, I don't have a say in what kind of projects I actually get to work on. Um, so I basically wanted to expand the types of projects I get, uh, the types of problems mm-hmm. and, um, I was also getting like freelance work requests here and there that I would do on the side. And that's when I realized that, hey, I, I can, I can just do this like freelance work yeah. full time. And pick your own yeah. interests. Um, and yeah, my main motivation was really to like really understand myself if I really liked this, like, I was questioning whether I was, in, you know, enjoying it because of the people at my old company. Do I really like working on this? Um, and also wanted to challenge myself a little bit with other types of problems. Yeah. So that's kind of why I left to be on my own. <laughs> and speaking of like bravery and transitions, that's a big one. Yeah. How'd when, it go? When I, <laughs> it seems like big transitions are kind of your thing. <laughs> Yeah, I sometimes I look back on these moments and I don't know where I get the where <laughs> yeah. what I was thinking, what I had in myself to do those things. I was talking to my brother yesterday that like about that thought process, um, go transitioning into freelancing, like quitting a job with nothing lined up, and sometimes I still can't believe I did that. <laughs> But yeah, it it was it was good for me. I definitely don't regret it. Okay. Uh, what was the the transition period like? What did you figure out that was maybe surprising or things you didn't think you'd have to deal with? Um, I definitely think I probably had it better than most because I um, being the careful risk taker that I am I do I did a bunch of research before um, like what to expect um, how to make it work talk to a few um, people who at work who had done it before so I freelance taxes yeah what to expect when you're expecting to freelance (laughs) that's kind of (laughs) good okay come on So you'd done your homework. Yeah, I, I, I knew what to expect. Um, I, I, you know, didn't. I know. I 
know some people think like freelancing they can like work from anywhere and life is amazing so i didn't have that delusion yes delusion. did you become a digital nomad <laughs> no i did not i was mostly in boston um it um yeah it most of what i learned was the things like typical things like having a routine helps you um getting out of the apartment helps you <laughs> interacting with humans yes yeah. um, strong disagree <laughs> Yeah, those are the, like the basic things I learned and um, surprisingly didn't have too much trouble with getting client work. I think thanks to like the existing network of being at MIT and my excellent essays, Medulin. Yeah. <laughs> and most of my coworkers were at Medulin were older, so they already built their network around. So that was a big role in like my freelancing work too. Sure. Yeah. They were super supportive and encouraged it. Yeah. Um, so what kind of projects did you pick up? A bunch of, of ran random, like I, the typical like design did a redesign of like a MVP of us, like some startups product, um, that they built without a designer, mm -hmm. um, that those types of projects, but also did this actually worked for the class that I took at MIT, oh, cool. um, that the product design class, yeah. I did like an animation project for them. It looks ridiculous and silly. Cause I would say I barely know after effects, but, <laughs> um, just pick whips everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I anim I did it for two two years after, so I did it twice. I animated like um, so. This class, they play this video of how explaining to like the audience at the final presentation of how the product, like the process that they go through, the students go through as a class. Um, and they usually do that with like these like cartoon characters. Um, so I, I did that um, somehow. You made a cartoon <laughs> of an MIT class. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's yeah. a portfolio item. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's interesting to me how scattered the dots are, like yeah. <laughs> in terms of knowing where you are now as doing uh -huh. design systems yep. at like this big tech company <laughs> in California. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a little bit all over the place. Yep. Yeah. It it is and yeah like part of that was one of my my goals when i was freelancing that i want to try mm. a bunch of random things like i tried some illustration projects too which i learned that i enjoy but not all the time <laughs> <laughs> i i cannot be a full-time illustrator yet <laughs> not yet yeah um illustration super fun yeah, I, I enjoy it when it's only, like, part of my day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah um, things like that. So I was really, like, exploring a bunch of, like, a range of projects and decided that, hey, like, I, I want, I enjoy working um, more on product design, like, experience design for now. Sure. <laughs> that can also change again in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And when did Designer Fund enter the picture or the bridge program? Um, so I actually came in contact with them when I was looking for a job. Um, when I so after like a year and a half of doing that freelancing all over the map stuff, I be, at some point decided, hey, I I think I like I kind of have an idea of what I want in my next job mm -hmm. um so that's when i started looking for a new job and came across designer fund um because they have a bridge program um for for those who don't know they basically um it's like the common app that you a bunch of designers <laughs> who are looking that's for a good way to say it. new opportunities of um apply and then all of their partner companies 
I guess, get see all these designers who applied and um, recruit you and take you through their own individual interview process. So that's like sort of how I came in contact with them the first time, um, but decided to work to go with after like interviewing and all of that. Decided to go with Adobe, which was not part of that group of companies that um, were looking at yeah. bridge designers actually um but another aspect that a lot might, some people might not know is that um if you are happy with your job um you can also apply to bridge and ask your company to sponsor you so basically all the designers who end up in this bridge program is um it's basically a professional development program for mid level to senior designers um people who are either looking to transition or looking for like tools to like what it t- what does it take yeah. to like become a senior designer sure and you meet weekly after work yeah to like yep. talk and do workshops and get to Grow. know a bunch of other designers yeah. yeah um so i really liked that idea especially after like working on my own for a year and a half um of like knowing getting to know other designers and like i saw it as like a transition into the bay area community too mm-hmm. um so during my like first week at adobe i decided to ask my manager like hey have you heard of this <laughs> this bridge program strong <laughs> ask in the first week <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like D- doesn't hurt to ask yeah um so and ended up doing it <laughs> that's awesome yeah that brings us full circle mm-hmm. <laughs> and so now you've been at adobe for a little under a year yep uh we always like to ask at the end uh, what keeps you up at night what's on your mind now that you've made it to this point uh, <laughs> uh, too many things keep me up at night I would say recently, um, since I've joined Adobe, I've gotten to focus more a lot on myself. I feel like 2017 was a lot of like career-related goals, like moving, getting a new full-time job that I'm happy with, knowing how to navigate my team and speak up in a new workplace, things like that. And now that this this year recently I've been thinking a lot about focusing on myself outside of work so taking better care of myself now that I have actual work-life balance yeah um yeah any tips on that um I could use some (laughs) I guess it giving yourself time no matter what it is like for me I I'm still like experimenting what it is I want to do outside of work. Um, I've gotten really into exercising in the past two months. Hopefully that sticks. <laughs> <laughs> two months. That's, that's a good. That's, yeah, that's more if than I've If you said ever... like in the last five days, I've I'd heard... be like, okay, no, we'll no, see. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's like six weeks makes a habit. Yeah. Right? yeah so, so I'm, I'm hoping that. this time it will actually stick. Um, like exercising and cooking. I've mm. come to realize that those things really um, – make me happy um takes me off the computer screen yes yeah so i'm I'm like this year i want to focus more on like learning those types of things about myself even more like maybe other hobbies that i stop doing when i freelance and what which ones to pick back up things like that cool yeah cool (laughs) well thanks so much for taking the time to come hang out yeah thank you for having me That was 234. Thank you so much to PJ for coming to hang out with us. Thank you to you for listening. And thank you to our friends at Reactor with a K for sponsoring the show. If you need a new job and you want to work on some really, really cool stuff, like working with companies like HBO, Adidas, Supercell, Neverthink, and more. Or, or just get into ferry design. You like want to... Autom- automated, aut- autonomous ferry design. Or if you want to help a product design studio design an autonomous ferry to help 
reinvent public transportation in Finland. If that would be part of your dream job, or any of these other things would be part of your dream job, or you just have a different dream job, they want to hear about it. Go to reactor with a K dot com slash careers. They're hiring designers from all different backgrounds, experiences with different ambitions and dream jobs, and they want to work with you to make sure it's a perfect fit. Go to reactor with a K dot com slash careers. Thanks so much, Reactor, for making this episode possible. Thanks so much, Reactor, and we'll see you next week.